On today's episode of the Katie Halper Show, we talk to the nation's Ali Garib about the historic deal between the U.S. and Iran, chat about Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker, who announced his intention to seek the Republican nomination with Refinery-29's Meredith Clark, go over the headlines with political comedian Justin Williams, and we bring you an exclusive radio interview with the artist behind the most creative response to Donald Trump's racism so far, the Donald Trump butt plug. What's worse for the Donald is that the genius behind this invention, Nando Sosa, was born and raised in the Mexico. Tune in to the Katie Helper Show Wednesdays at 6 p.m. on WBAI at 99.5 FM or WBAI.org on the web. It's 6 p.m. here on WBAI New York, 99.5 FM and WBAI.org on the web. Stay tuned for the Katie Helper Show. Hello and welcome to the Katie Halper Show. I'm your host, Katie Halper. It is Wednesday, July 15th. And I'm here with Justin Williams, a brilliant political comedian. <laughs> Ga- you laugh. Don't laugh. That's not funny. It's very nice of you. I, and thank you so much for having me back. Of course. It's good to be back here at WBAI. Listeners may remember Justin from previous WBAI appearances on The Morning Show. Mm-hmm. And um, Gabe is in Oregon, but he sends his love, and he wants you to know, Reggie, that he misses you. Oh, shucks. Really? Yes, of course he does. Thanks. Justin, I don't know if you've been listening to the show. Uh, a big fan of it. Yes. <laughs> but uh, Gabe and Reggie have a very warm, special relationship. Yeah, it was just organic. It was so organic. So this is what Gabe says. Dear loyal listeners, I'm out in Portland, the land of microbreweries and nudist bike rides. Looking forward to being with you next week. And Reggie, keep holding down on the soundboard. See you all soon. So I'm live in studio without Gabe, but I'm here with Justin Williams. And I'm here with Reggie Johnson. Reggie Johnson, I like to call him the ivory ivory tickler. The ivory tickler. That sounds really wrong. (laughs) The, yeah, he he he. T- what's it called? The pianist. I like calling him. The, I like comparing engineering to music. So I consider him to be composer. Sure, the composer. Director, conductor. Director. Oh wow, wow! You've thought about this quite a bit, haven't no, you? No, it's just it's just there's moments of clarity, and then there's moments of darkness. Yeah, yeah, obscurity. Yeah. I, I I experience my darkness most of the day. So okay. Well, Justin <laughs> is here, the shining light. Justin um, is a political comedian. You can see him all over. Gabe, by the way, if you're in Oregon, you can see Gabe perform. I'm just going to give Gabe a little shout out. You can see him perform at uh, a bicycle shop bar performance space called Velo Cult on a show called Earthquake Hurricane. That sounds very stable. Um, <laughs> Justin, where can people see you perform? I'll be performing in an actual earthquake and hurricane. Nice. Uh, take that, week. Gabe. He'll <laughs> yeah. take your natural disaster and top that and raise it. I- I do all my shows. I'll be performing at the Greek Economic Crisis. Uh, I'll be performing in that. That's going to be a good one. That's I think I'll be, be able to hold not a dry eye in the house. How are they going to pay you? Uh, you know, I have a really bad agent, so I just get oh, booked for the gigs okay. and I just go. I don't even care. Okay. Uh, I mean, will they at least pay you with food? Uh, that's the hope. Only uh, Spanikopita. Okay. Unlimited Spanikopita. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. Um, 
I wanted to talk a little bit, by the, and you can see me tonight and laughing liberally at Jimmy's 43 between uh, 2nd and 3rd. That's uh, 7th Street between 2nd and 3rd Avenues. Justin Williams is often on Laughing Liberally with us. He's yeah, a great comedian. Yeah, last month, Jimmy oh McMillan God, on. Jimmy McMillan. So we told listeners about this, but in case you forgot or you're a first-time listener, Jimmy McMillan of The Rent is Too Damn High, he graced the stage with his presence. And did you enjoy that, Justin? Of course I did. Okay. Jimmy McMillan. He's your f- spiritual father, isn't he? I love it. Because, you know, I just like anybody that prefaces a response at a gubernatorial debate with as a karate master. Right. I've heard you use that a couple times. Yeah. I mean, it's, so he won my heart immediately. Coming to us soon live in studio will be Ali Garib, the writer at The Nation. He'll be talking to us about Iran. Then we'll be joined by Meredith Clark, a political writer at Refinery29. And then, guys, this is a huge news. We have an exclusive radio interview with Fernando Sosa, the Mexican-born artist who has created... Re- ready I, for I, it? I'm ready. I'm ready. We heard about the Donald Trump piñata, right? That was great. That was a Mexican-born, raised, and still living in, arti- uh, living in Mexico artist who made a Donald Trump piñata. This guy made a Donald Trump butt plug. <laughs> yes. Reggie does not look. Ex- <laughs> yeah, right. I was not ready for that. You are. I, I don't think America is ready was for that. Not, I was expecting anything but that. <laughs> I mean, really? were we ready for Donald Trump? I, I don't want to be ready for Donald Trump. I just have to deal with it like a cold. Right. <laughs> Like the worst, like, like the ever. flute. Yeah, I mean, like you know, with the phlegm and all that stuff. Right. You how, know, how can you not like Donald Trump? He gave his presidential announcement uh, <sighs> extemporaneously. <laughs> That's yeah, to be the first time in like history. Someone's like, you know what? I'm going to announce I'm running for president and just do it off the cuff, right. and then make a bunch of remarks that will then lose me millions of dollars. Right. Speaking of which, <laughs> we have some uh, store some interesting stories. Racist presidential candidate Donald Trump was threatened this week by the notorious drug lord El Chapo. El Chapo was in prison for running a vast criminal narco cartel run with brutal efficiency and enforced with unbelievable violence. He escaped after his underlings dug him a one-mile tunnel and then threatened the Donald Trump via Twitter. So I don't I feel like this is something that the Donald would have. First of all, I have a couple theories. One thing is that I think that the Donald Trump paid for El Chapo to escape. Because what is better PR for Donald Trump, who's so anti-Mexican, than having a criminal on the loose? Yes. A criminal mastermind. But I'm also conflicted because I feel like Donald Trump may actually really admire him because he, he does think Mexicans are really good at, like, building walls. <laughs> and they just built a tunnel, right? And he, I asked, Isn't that more like burrowing rather than building? You're right. Oh, Reggie. Well, there was a nice tunnel. I saw it. Yeah, it, it looked yeah, nicer than the yeah. Brooklyn Queens Expressway. It was a really that nice tunnel. That tunnel was nicer than a lot of walls. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to yeah, go ahead and say that. Actually, it is pretty elaborate. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, right? And then in other Trump news... They picked him up in a Cadillac out of that tunnel. That's Yeah, with wings. <laughs> in other Trump news, a USA Today Suffolk University poll says that the supposed presidential candidate leads the Republican field with 17%, beating out his next closest rival, former Florida governor and W brother, Jeb Bush, by three percentage points. Yes, this is great news. It's, I mean, I don't, Trump. I don't know what to say about that, except I, I'm torn. I kind of want him to win because I think it would be the most entertaining <laughs> presidency in the world. It is something to be said that Bush has a more progressive... Oh, yeah, yeah immigration plan than Hillary Clinton. 
Ah, interesting. Yeah. Well, that's because Bush identifies as Hispanic. I don't need to remind you guys well, that his wife. he registered. No, he yeah. registered in his voting registration. That's right. He checked that's right. off Hispanic. That's so he's right. transracial. And, and he's also governor right. of Florida, too. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah, I know. I don't remember. And he's a realist. Has anybody man. visited Miami? Yeah. Uh, if well, you have a closed border policy, Miami yeah. would be a lot less interesting. And don't forget, and don't forget that Bush mentioned the grandkids as the little brown ones. Yeah. That's adorable. Yes. But but in but in their defense, aren't they they're like Prescott's. They're like old school Mayflower money, right? They don't know. So, they don't know how to talk. So Columba's gotta be the of the first color in that family oh in four hundred <laughs> years. So at least the first acknowledged color, right? Oh, acknowledged family, color, right? yeah. Besides the slave owning, the right. potential slave right. owning that yeah. they probably have. <laughs> right. You well, know, a la Thomas Jefferson. And Strom Thurmond. Yeah, and Strom Thurmond, yeah. So I wanted to share another story because the thing I like about Donald Trump is that he doesn't just say offensive, problematic things. He tweets them. I don't know if you heard about this. His campaign tweeted a promotional photo featuring what appeared to be Nazi German soldiers superimposed on the U.S. flag. Did you hear about this? No, I did not. He, his brilliant uh, social media people took a stock photo mm-hmm. of a Nazi reenactment. Didn't notice it was a Nazi reenactment. <laughs> it happened to the best of us. I constantly confused the, the sides of the World War II. You know, uh, G- Gehring used to use an iPhone. He did. So that, that- Gehring did, and Goebbels was the droid man, right? Yeah. Goebbels was on the droid, and Gehring was the iPhone. But I thought this was an interesting opportunity to talk about other social media fails. Paula Dean, of course, America's most famous racist celebrity chef. You remember her a couple years ago. She, it was revealed that she used the N-word a lot, uh-huh. and she lost some deals over that. But on the, on the plus side, sales for her cookbook soared, and she was immortalized by a riveting, if perhaps overly ambitious, episode of Law & Order SVU, <laughs> which took on her story, Trayvon Martin, and Stop and & Frisk, the policy. In the whole episode? Mm-hmm, one episode. That's like less than 60 minutes. Well, yeah, she, pretty makes good. Some, she makes some chicken at the end or something Yeah, like she that? did. Yeah. I think she, she <laughs> stirred. Uh, Sybil Shepard played her, and I think it was solved with some, yeah, I, yeah, I guess it was resolved. Most likely deep-fried and but and breaded and buttered fat and right. stuff like that. But this time it was Dean who did the firing because a photo of the chef and her son Bobby dressed as Lucy and Ricky Ricardo from oh, I Love Jesus Lucy, Christ. complete oh. with skin darkening makeup for Bobby, awesome. showed up on her social media accounts along awesome. with the allegedly funny and eerily prescient caption, Lucy, you got a lot of explaining to do. And it was written out, explaining. That's why I say it like that. And there's nothing wrong with dressing up as characters from a beloved TV show, yeah, even yeah. the incestuous thing yeah. where your son is playing your husband. I can go, I can yeah, let that go. Yeah, she is yeah. from the South. Yeah. But <laughs> let's go out on a limb and say that no one should ever incorporate blackface or brownface into their Halloween costumes or their social media strategy or their lives. Uh, I, yeah, I just think that this story shows that if you give someone a second chance, they'll always learn from it. Exactly. That's what, that's what exactly. I think. That learn. is well said. It is, yeah. <laughs> this is a narrative of redemption. Paula Dean, mm. the redemption story. Because now she, she downgraded from the N-word to brown face. Right, brown face is like <laughs> so much better. progressive for her. Yeah, it's beige face, honestly. It's yeah. beige. Yeah, it's just now yeah. she's just offending Cubans instead of exactly. African Americans. Right. <laughs> and and the photo was from a 2011 Halloween episode of Paula's Best Dishes. And it's not really clear what inspired her social media manager to dig this gem out of the vault in July. Oh, Lord. But that person was fired. Okay, so you that's. You know Paula Dean's Best Dishes? The baby back to Africa ribs. Oh, really my good. God. Did you wow. hear that? I, I just heard that. I, 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 she's I, racist. I'm, I'm I get it. I, 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 I get it. Because she's racist. I like it. I just feel like I, I can't. I, I can't. I don't have you don't the feel right like you to can laugh. Touch that one? I can't <laughs> laugh. Reggie, could you laugh for me, please? <laughs> I can't laugh. Listen. I could picture the audience right now 
because we got some fickle audience members out there that that gets really sensitive over things. Why are they vegan? No, yes, it's exactly. not even. Oh no, no, no! It's not even about vegan. No, I think I think Justin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Justin was so I, I'm just down. doing you a favor and just like saying, <laughs> what do you? What, yeah. what, what's the favor? You're just giving him a warning. What, uh, give him thinking, some cover. Give yeah. him some cred. Well, talk the, about the, his. Well, he marched in. Where did you march? Oh, in uh, where did I march? Yeah, yeah. Hashtag Black travel. Lives Matter or anything like I, that. I, I did. Yeah, uh, you, you know, before I made that Paula Dean joke, I tweeted yeah. John Lewis yes. and he gave me permission uh, to say it. So. He actually That's requested funny. that. He, he said, "Can you make up a Paula, Paula Dean um, ironic, irreverent, racist right. joke?" He did. Um, speaking of uh, ironic, irreverent jokes, there are also uh, bankers in Birmingham, England, who were fired over reenacting and recording and posting on Instagram a mock ISIS beheading. Okay. That's an what, interesting. What? what? To do what? what? Wait, say but this what? is the best part. So one of the bank employees, the one who nabbed the coveted leading role of beheading victim, rocked an orange jumpsuit as he kneeled in front of his five colleagues, oh who did a lovely job as a supporting ensemble cast in black tracksuits and baklavas. They were fired after the, the insensitive clip circulated online. And to be fair, the video was reportedly made, I'm not making this up, during a work-sponsored team-building exercise. (laughs) And you can only do so many trust falls before it becomes boring and, quite frankly, dangerous, right? So who can really blame those guys? What bank was this? HSBC. Wow. I'm going to go ahead and stick up for these guys. I understand what they're doing because nothing says open a money market checking account like an ISIS reenactment. Yeah, really, really. I want those guys to be managing my finances. I want to diversify my po- portfolio with ISIS. Maybe they ISIS could do something with re-enactors. my defaulted student loan situation that I have. You know, <laughs> no. maybe they can do something like that. If they could take on student loans like that the way they're taking on what you just mentioned, mm-hmm. maybe I should go with, the, with them. Yeah, I, I'm down. That actually might be a popular thing in America for we were like, can we send ISIS to Sally May headquarters? I think we might get like, you know huge. what? <laughs> Maybe. You know what? I, I, I That's would, not a bad I would, idea. I, yeah. I, I would. I would go with that. <laughs> I would totally go people, with that. People are like, you know what? I, I, I disagree with everything that group stands for and, and does. You know but what? in this case. Look, you just said Sally May. All right? <laughs> so that's all you need to say. Well, guys, speaking of Sally May, we're going to turn to a, a story that's a little bit more international than Sally May. How do you like that as a segue? And <laughs> yeah. we're going to talk about <laughs> Iran with Ali Garib from The Nation. And then we're going to talk about Scott Walker with Meredith Clark from Refinery29, and then we have our very special exclusive interview with the creator of the Trump butt plug, um, Fernando Sosa. (laughs) But we're going to take a little short musical break, and then we'll be back with Ali Garib. And welcome back to the Katie Halper Show. I am your host, Katie Halper. I'm live in studio with Reggie Johnson, comedian Justin Williams, and nation writer Ali Garib, foreign policy expert, who is going to be talking to us about Iran. Now, I don't have to explain to you my music choice, do I, Ali? Why I just played that song? No, I got it. You got it? Yeah. So in case listeners don't know, they're not as up on their John McCain humor trivia. John McCain, always a hilarious man. He once responded to a question about Iran being terrorist by 
singing the following. That old Beach Boy song, Bomberan. <laughs> what a guy. That guy is such a, a, such a mensch. Who laughs at that? I laughed. You didn't laugh inside a little bit? No. Ali, I called him a mensch. Yeah, he probably hates me now. Okay, He's well. going to take a shower now, John McCain. <laughs> right? So, Ali, you wrote an article, right, in The Nation. I did. As is your want. Yeah. Because you write there. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. I mean, most of the time. Most of the time. You were also were a reporter at Think Progress. Yep. You were at uh, Daily Beast. Yeah, I worked for the Zionists there. I worked for the Zionists. How has that affected your dating life? Uh, you know, neutral. Opens new markets, doesn't neutral. it? Neutral. Uh, no. No. No, actually, it doesn't. Oh, it okay. We're going to have to have an episode that's all about how, how working for Zionists affects your love life. To be continued. But you wrote um, 25 years ago. 25 months ago. Did I just say years? I'm sorry. Know. Iranians went to the polls and elected a mullah, Rouhani, from among the much demonized Iranian mullahs as president. You said the bellicose Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu took to the American airwaves to deride Rouhani's smile. The remark was not without irony. Ahmadinejad smiled a lot himself, but his grins were those of a mischievous child, the needling of authority that came after a misdeed. That Netanyahu didn't recognize the smiling precedent and the distinction with the difference that Rouhani represented spoke ill of his interpretation of events. Both smiled, but the new Iranian president was clearly of another breed. I like that. Thank you. That's very poetic. Thank you. A lot of psychoanalysis. So, lyrical, somebody told me. Lyrical, yeah. yes. <laughs> it's uh, like like the one of the great Persian poets, if you will. Yeah, Hafez or Rumi or something. Rumi, that's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I yeah. just had a young cousin born named Rumi, a girl. Mazel tov. Thank you. Is that a, is that a unisex name? or No, no, okay. no, it's a boy's name, but given to a girl. Good. I, your, your family sounds very progressive. Okay. Yeah, creative types. Creative, you know. yeah. They, they like <laughs> 21st WBAI? Century. 21st century, nice. Awesome. So... Talk about this smile. First of all, I usually like talking about Netanyahu's smile, which is very attractive. I don't know Does if you've he seen smile it. Or? Oh my God, yeah, he has like a half smile. He goes up on one side. It's a very evil-looking smile, huh. um, which is befitting, I would say, for Netanyahu. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, I, I have to say, like, we we all we all do things that we probably shouldn't. One of them was when I was editing this Peter Beinert's blog at the Daily Beast. Like, if it was kind of a mean, critical post about Netanyahu, I'd, I'd, you know, there are all these, like, wire photographs of him looking pretty oh, evil right, with, like, right. his arched eyebrows right. and, like, dramatic lighting, and I would try and always pick those because right. I'm mean. Right. But that is the, basically, the social media editing equivalent of washing Israel into the sea. Uh, I, I've heard that said before. Yeah, it could be. It could be. It could be I mean, you know, I think the real threat is global warming pushing the sea into the Jews. But You're right. <laughs> That would be, that'd be an interesting way to maybe unite. Maybe Ar Iranians and Israelis and American Jews, we could all unite against the greater enemy that is. Oh, uh, we change. got so much more country, though, you know? Like, we lose a little bit of coastland, and Israel loses this is the whole shebang. Um, yeah, I mean, like, this is something that a lot of, like, Iran hawks, like, people that, that, that you know, some of them, I think, legitimately don't want to engage Iran because they think they're bad guys right. and, like, don't want right. to them, do them a solid and compromise with them at all. But I think most of these guys are war hawks, and a lot of them refuse to see that Iran has internal politics, which like couldn't be further than the truth. And they have to like go through all these all these contortions to try and prove their point that it really doesn't matter who's in charge. And 
and back then in in uh, June of 2013, when there was a Iranian presidential election, you know, like every neocon in Washington was lining up saying the election didn't matter because Rouhani was just going to pick his favorite guy to be the next president. Right. But that ended up not happening, and instead, like he, you know, the the system it's not a it's not a it's not a true democracy by any stretch, right? The candidates are all whittled down right. by this unelected council, uh, and then of those guys one of them gets to win. You know, in 2009, I I think it was an election fraud, and they put Ahmadinejad back in power, but that's not what happened in 2013. Like, it's by all accounts, it was a pretty, uh, if not free, fair election, like, when by the time the voters actually went to the polls, and they picked this guy who really is a moderate. You know, people say, like, there's no such thing as a moderate, because, like... And, like, you know, the other day Jeffrey Goldberg wrote in his column that, like, Hassan Rouhani, the Iranian president, was a moderate. And then he put in parentheses, like, to be sure, a relative moderate. Dun, it's like, dun, dun. Well, all <laughs> moderates. Are moderate relative. is a relative Right, term. by I mean, definition, totally right? Yeah. 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 Maybe he's a real um, moral absolute absolutist. Jeffrey Goldberg? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I don't think Jeffrey Goldberg. I'm try- I went on a campaign. I went out. I went out last night to meet a friend who's actually visiting. She splits time between uh, Istanbul and Iran, and she's a filmmaker. And she was visiting, and I went out to meet her for a drink last night, not realizing that it was like a fancy Tehran kids Uh-oh. drink celebration Uh-oh. for the nuclear deal. Oh, my God. So to tell us, take us inside this terrorist, terrorist cell that you infiltrated. Uh, yeah. You know, nothing, nothing screams creeping Sharia like uh, vodka tonics and exactly. champagne. Yeah. That's the first step. That's the first step. They get yeah, you. They, they intoxicate you. Then they make right. you become observant Muslims and never drink again. Yeah, I believe, it's, uh, I believe that's like uh, Bill Cosby Sharia right there. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, my God. Slip something in the drink, and the next thing you know, you... Wake up in a burqa. Then you yeah, wake burqa. up with the Sharia law. <laughs> All over you. <laughs> so tell us about this deal. I have, this, a, I have a question. Okay, Is I, this going to air after 10 p.m. so all the kids are asleep? I or? hope so. All the kids who listen to WBAI. Yes. Little kids, go into bed early tonight. Yeah, go, uh, make sure you watch an episode of The Cosby Show before yeah, you go to bed, though. Watch yeah. the Huxtables, the wholesome Huxtables. I'm going to be real about this. I have a real question. I feel like the left is divided. Half the time the left basically says... Iran has the right to pursue whatever nuclear weapons it wants to. Half the time they say they're not doing that, so there's no need to worry. I have, I have a question. Why would uh, Iran want to pursue uh, the development of nuclear weapons? Did like their neighbors like like did Iraq and Afghanistan get invaded by a hostile force or something like that? Yeah. That might make them. Uh, <laughs> does their arch enemy that always threatens no, war not, with them? I'm have not nuclear weapons? It. I'm just, I just want. I just feel like Why would no, they do something like but that? You know what I'm talking about. I feel like that's a, I, I feel like that like that the people that are pro Iranian nuclear weapon, insofar as they do exist, are a very small minority of the kind of hard left that are so uh like that's that's not born out of like any real kind of strategic yeah calculation or anything like that that's just like america hating like stick it to the man <laughs> iran right. should build the enemy weapons. of my enemy is my friend yeah. i don't i don't know how a real decent progressive like would would cheer on any nuclear weapons yeah right. nuclear proliferation right? right like that's sort of not supposed to be our bag right, right. i don't know but like you know Weapon like weapons that can kill tens of thousands of people in an instant is not you know not very progressive. Right. So like those people do exist. I mean I think I think that like there's a there, there's there's the, uh, a very high chance like uh, you know I haven't seen the data myself so I don't want to say it unequivocally that Iran was 
doing some like not not necessarily had a comprehensive nuclear weapons program, but was doing some work that looked like it would be applied to nuclear weapons in the pre two thousand three period. And like that seems pretty legit. As far as like what they've pursued since then, there's just no evidence of it, you know? So like people like Netanyahu and members of Congress can go and say whatever they want about it. Right. But like nobody has presented evidence that, that this has actually happened. And I'm not talking about like not the kind of evidence that you can nitpick, which is what some of the left does about the stuff before two thousand three, right? You see people being like Well, these whatever it was, like uh like there were they had this uh this this chamber that they were using to test really uh, well-controlled triggered explosions that are the same kind that you use to do something like blow up right. atoms in the warhead of a right. nuclear bomb. And it was like, ah, oh, but you use these to make crystals for right. industrial cutting. And eggplant. And, yeah, exactly. Bottom John. Yeah, bottom June. June. Sorry. Sorry. It, well, the, either pronunciation works. Oh, good. Um the like Afghan and the uh, Afghans say Badam John. Well, I always identify more with Afghan than than yeah. Persian. That's just the it's, way I roll, though. It's 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 an older Farsi. It's it's, it's funny like to me. Speak I'm a traditionalist. Them, yeah. yeah. When it comes to the Constitution and uh, Farsi, <laughs> they're the so, Cajuns of Farsi. The Cajuns yeah. of Farsi. So yeah, exactly. So Boehner, surprisingly, so there are two things that shocked absolutely no one: that Netanyahu is not happy about this, and that Boehner is not happy about this, and not just because I think they may be in a, a secret romantic relationship. But this is what Boehner said. The deal that we have out there, in my view, from what we know thus far, is unacceptable. And then he says, we are going to do everything we can to get the details. And if, in fact, it is as bad of a deal as I think it is at this moment, we will do everything we can to stop it. So he's openly saying he has no idea what the deal is, but he opposes it, right? Well, that's like Lindsey Graham. I mean, the second the deal was announced, Lindsey Graham like got on the phone to Josh Rogan, the like designated... Spot for press releases from knocked up. Yeah, um, no, not that one. The the guy <laughs> nah, at Bloomberg Sorry. View and Seth um, Rogan joke. Uh-huh. For the listener. And, uh huh. And got on the phone with Josh Rogan. Rogan publishes this piece where where Lindsey Graham says that signing this nuclear deal is akin to declaring war on our Arab allies in Israel, which is like. Mm, how do you just publish people saying stuff like this? I mean, how do you say this in the first place? How do you just publish people saying stuff like this? Like, like you don't just get to report things. Like, you know, that's not how journalism works. You don't just say this person said this, and so I'm going to report it. Like, right. like you take a critical line. You say, is this true? Is this really like declaring war? Like the UN Security Council just declared war on Israel? That's what you're basically saying. Right. Anyway, and then later in the morning on CNN, Lindsey Graham was like, yeah, I haven't read the thing yet. But my gut. Yeah, his gut tells him that it's a declaration of war exactly. against Israel. I like because it. That's the most important thing. Right. I like it. Um, Get your talking points, you know? Exactly. I mean, Lindsey Graham is great, though, because he, he really commits to his role as, for instance, a straight man. Yeah, I don't know if he's straight or not. And really, I don't care. I, don't care. I mean, maybe I don't he care, is I, a no, lifelong bachelor. You know what? I do maybe care. He is when, a straight when people who are, who are anti choice and homophobic in their voting record are. Uh, either abortion providers, which they're usually not, or more likely, <laughs> gay themselves. I think it's totally relevant. Whereas the hypocrisy, um, the hypocrisy. Then. I don't care yeah. about. I don't care about uh, Anthony Weiner because he doesn't didn't campaign on uh, about sexting or DMing. And he wasn't anti-immigration, right? Because you know his name was Carlos. 
Oh, Sorry. you're right. <laughs> he would have won the Latin vote. Like, whoa, you're right. Yeah. I was like, of course he wasn't anti-immigration. Why are you telling me this? But I underestimated you. Carlos Danger. Carlos Danger. Carlos Danger. I do like that combo. Right. Yeah. Um, Whole different kind of digging out of well, tunnels. Well, <laughs> any predictions? What's going to yes. happen? Another nice Republican guy, Mark Kirk, said today that this was just like Munich. How many Holocaust comparisons have we had so far? Uh, from Mark II. Kirk alone, like seven. Right, seven. We should do um, compile them. I yeah, th- I think that's a fair th- uh, comparison, you know, because I think we can definitely compare post World War England to uh, superpower United States. Yeah, and yeah. we can certainly it's compare totally. the Nazi war machine to uh, Iran, which has not invaded a country since well, it, since. But the Persian Empire was yeah. the last time. Yeah, yeah but that was a big ago. invasion. So, <laughs> you know, you, what about the Iraq War in the nineties? The uh, the eighties. That was that was started the, 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 by Iraq. The Iraq invasion. Yeah. Iraq. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wow, Reggie. <laughs> I'm not, I don't want to get all nationalist here. I know. But no, 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 I'm just with saying. the encouragement of Mr. Donald Rumsfeld. Yes. I mean, that's true. One of the best moments, though, in Iran Iraq history is when Condoleezza Rice was asked if the U.S. was going to invade Iran, and. She said, the United States understands and believes that Iran is not Iraq. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember I mean, that. it was, she basically didn't answer the question that she was asked, but she got right she to the cl- crux of the she question. She just clarified that the president mind. of the United States exactly. can tell countries Which apart. Like, does Bush know that Iran and Iraq are two separate countries? Because I think what happened is she made him like flashcards or something, but then he, I think, was misspelling Iraq because he just figured out the U after Q rule. Mm-hmm. So that was like really hard for him. But yeah, I guess he did know the difference, which is very... Um, which is very exciting. But do you think that Boehner, did any of the Republicans actually read it? In other words, there are two theories that I have. One is that they read it, but they don't want to seem like nerds, or they don't want Sarah Palin to make fun of them for being intellectual, so they're pretending they didn't. Or are they just being so openly disrespectful and idiotic that they just I don't think they it? read things. And, like, look at Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham, like, you know, said... Uh, uh, last year, he like went and met with Bibi and was like, "Bibi, we're gonna follow your lead," you know. So like, what does he need to read it for? And He's BB getting said, his instructions, right? Didn't Bibi once famously say in a video that he knows how to move around the Americans? Yeah, he said that that, that it's a mountain that's easy to move. Yeah. So poetic. He's, he's right, though. Yeah. It's really What's up? It's you easy. Middle Easterners really yeah. have a way with words. I That's love right. it. That's right. He's from Poland originally. Exactly. But... Middle East of of Central yeah. Euro- Eastern Europe. That's what I meant. Middle Eastern Europe. Of, yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, Ali, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Always a come pleasure. Come back. Where can we find you online? Uh, I'm on Twitter at at Ali underscore Garib. Okay, great. And yeah, stick around. We'll do some. Maybe take some photos. We'll do a photo shoot. All of us. You know, put that on Instagram for, for Gabe. Yes. For Gabe, oh, we forgot to say, Gabe. Hey, Gabe. We're 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 pouring out some uh, insert Persian drink for you because you're not here. But uh, you're you're. I wanted to feel comfortable, so what I did is I invited one of your high school colleagues to be here, and that is Ali Garib. There's yeah, a big me, reveal. Me and Gabe went to high school together. It's true. So come back soon and check out Ali's work online. He's great. Follow him on the on the Twitters. And now we are going to be talking with Meredith Clark from Refinery29 about Scott Walker. We're going to take a quick musical break. And this is actually a mashup I made of Scott Walker talking about mandatory ultrasounds and how cool they are set to Rebirth of Slick, a.k.a. Cool Like That by Diggable Planets. We defunded Planned Parenthood. We signed a law that requires an ultrasound. The media tried to make that sound like that was a crazy yeah. idea. I mean, most people I talk to, whether they're pro-life or not, 
I find people all the time who get out their iPhone and show me a picture of their grandkids' ultrasound and how excited they are. So that's a lovely thing. My sons are 19 and 20, and we still have their first ultrasound picture. It's just a cool thing out there. But I'm cool like that. 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 Hello, and welcome back to the Katie Halper Show. We are here every Wednesday at 6 p.m. on WBAI.org, 99.5 FM. We just did a little interview with Ali Garib from The Nation. We still have coming on later in the show Fernando Sosa, the artist who created the Donald Trump butt plug. And we're so excited to be live in studio with Meredith Clark, a political writer from Refinery29. Hello, Meredith. Hi, Katie. How are you? Good. You? I'm doing very well. Now, we just played a clip of Scott Walker talking about how cool ultrasounds were. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody feels like uh, really invasive mandatory medical procedures are just the height of uh, fun times. Well, because, okay, you're from Wisconsin, right? I am, So I wanted to know, maybe there's a cultural thing. Does cool mean the same thing in Wisconsin? As it does outside of Wisconsin. Yes, generally. It does, okay. And is this some kind of tradition we don't know about, like cow tipping or something, (laughs) uterine probing? No, I mean, like, this isn't something that people do at tailgating for the Packer games along with your brats and uh, and beer. You know, this is... It's not. Okay, I just wanted to be culturally sensitive because I'm not from there. Other Next question for you about (laughs) Wisconsin-related stuff. Is it part of the state constitution that you have to pronounce the name Wisconsin? Is that a requirement to be a resident there? No, no, although someday that may break, you know, right. the different regions into, into several pieces. Oh, a little sub, sub, <laughs> yeah. c- civil war. Possible. You've been writing a lot about Scott Walker, who, by the way, of course, made history by becoming the 17,000th, no, just the 15th <laughs> Republican, right? To, yeah. To declare himself fit to lead the, the free world. Uh, you've been writing a lot about him. Yeah, yeah. Over the uh, last couple of years, as he's been running for re-election during the recall, and uh, I was out in Wisconsin when he was had proposed Act 10, and there were big protests happening back in 2011. Now, I'm going to ask you a very personal question. Yes. Given that you've written so much about him, do you have a crush on Scott Walker? I mean, that bald spot is just so shiny. It is. It's magnetic. It brings brings you in like a moth flying to the to the light. I. Th- so you don't. You're saying live on on the Katie Halper show you do not have a crush no, on Scott I, Walker. No, I am not covering Scott Walker and his political career because of uh, some sort of misguided affection. Okay. <laughs> Is that because you actually only have eyes for Glenn Grothman? Oh, God, I mean... I cornered you. You didn't expect me to know this, did you? I, I'm, I'm nice and impressed, but, you know, he right. had such great opinions on things like Kwanzaa. State Senator Glenn Grothman, why do you say it's a fraudulent holiday? Well, I think the average person thinks Kwanzaa is some African celebration that's been around for hundreds of years. In fact, it was just created in 1966 by a radical Marxist. There's just a wealth of Wisconsin politicians to have warm feelings about. There's so many. They attack single parents. A lot of child abuse and neglect. It just very disproportionately arises in what I'll call non-intact families. Over time, we're having more and more families that are not old-fashioned families. As a matter of people, sometimes you make fun of old-fashioned families and say we're not going to bring old-fashioned families with the biological father and mother raising the kids back. They attack protesters. Would you like to apologize to these protesters for referring to them as slobs? <laughs> oh, I maybe qualify what I said. Some of them are friendly slobs. Some of them are lovable slobs, but they're still slobs. And they snore a lot, too. They're kind of loud. This is Scott Walker at a CPAC 
comparing the people who protested his getting rid of collective bargaining to ISIS. I want a commander-in-chief who will do everything in their power to ensure that the threat from radical Islamic terrorists do not wash up on American soil. If I can take on 100,000 protesters, I can do the same across the world. All the, all the people who really threaten democracy in this country. Well, there's just good ones, too. I mean, Russ Feingold's from Wisconsin. True. But, but, uh, you're right. You're right. Thank you for defending. And Meredith, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, there are lots of New Yorkers I can't stand, so I don't want you to think I'm beating up on Wisconsin. But it is a pretty like impressive gallery of characters right now. Russ Feingold lost to Ron Johnson, although he is running again in 2016 and I think is polling very well. Uh, Sean Duffy, former real-world Boston castmate, is now a congressman from uh, northern Wisconsin, married wow. to Rachel Puck's ex-girlfriend. Oh my God, the, yes. Rachel from the real, did you know this? I had no idea. Sean flirts with me all the time. Part of me thinks he likes me. I told Cynthia and she's like, duh, stop getting fresh with me. I did not know. So, uh, Sean Duffy does not believe in uh, corporate taxes, oh. uh, you know, or abortion either. They're very Catholic. So, you know, just. You mean he believes in freedom? Mm-hmm. Right. Is awesome. Eugene Debs still around there? <laughs> oh, good old Eugene. Good old Debs. Have up well, your helm. So, what my question is, how does someone like Scott Walker actually win in a blue state? He likes to brag about that. How does that happen? Well, I mean, something that people outside of Wisconsin, I think, don't pay as much attention to is that um, even though voters tend to vote for Democrats in presidential elections, there are is such a huge range of... Uh, opinions and uh, backgrounds in the different parts of the state that you can end up with very, very Republican districts up in the north, uh, near Green Bay, out in the country, and then have, um, you know, the more heavily populated areas of Milwaukee and Madison end up with, uh, you know, very, very, very liberal. And those things have just become so entrenched and so deep that now uh, Walker has been able to exploit that and get just enough votes uh, to pull through. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm from Missouri. It's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like so. the, the, the cities that the cities in the rural areas can't cancel each other out. And the suburbs is where who wins the elections. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of people are very conscious that, you know, the federal government means different things to them. And so they want a state authority that's going to cut certain benefits and and like protect their taxes against like black children getting to have schools right another Uh, threat to democracy very important yeah wisconsin actually fun fact has some of the worst racial disparities when it comes to poverty and education in the entire country if not the worst wow yeah well i would say to that molotov because as i mentioned on another show once scott walker i don't know if you guys know this he wrote a letter to a donor um around Passover and said Molotov instead of Molotov. Uh, uh, I mean, it, I I do feel kind of bad because there are not very, it's not a lot of diversity in Wisconsin. Right. He was trying. He was trying No, I best. think he's yeah. basically like the Martin Luther King of Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm not the first one who's called him that. I, I can't. I don't think I am. Um, and did anything surprise you about uh, Scott Walker's announcement, by the way? Uh, nothing surprised me about the announcement. Um, in a lot of ways, I think people who've been following his his career over the last couple of years were really expecting him to do more or less what he did, which was really avoid social issues to try and survive his re-election campaign. And then as soon as he won, throw a ton of really, really conservative things into the state budget, pass the 20-week abortion ban, pass right to work, all of the things that he would need to do to kind of build credibility with voters in Iowa and New Hampshire, places that he needed to stand out when he was getting ready. So he's going to plan. It still surprises me that he's been so successful because he is – He's so extreme. It's very surprising to me that 
voters have responded as well. Although I'm not an expert in conservative politics, so right, you know, just Scott Walker. Right. But it's interesting because I find myself not sufficiently repulsed by him, given his record. Mm -hmm. There's something disarming. There's something like very kind of folksy, I guess, that I feel like I'm usually immune to. But there's something unthreatening about him. No, I, and I think that you've really nailed exactly what makes him such a formidable candidate and why people keep underestimating him. I mean, there was a lot of talk for a while about how Walker hadn't finished college. Right. And that very quickly became a liability for his critics because he is so good at saying, well, I had a job. I wanted to be able to support a family. All of these people have to make these tough decisions. And he's been able to kind of turn what a lot of people on the left talk about in terms of the cost of, of higher education, student debt, and bring that back into a place where he said, well, I'm just like all of these hard, you know, hardworking Americans. The fact right. that he is like genuinely from mod a modest background and like despite his lifetime in conservative politics, never really benefited from that financially, gives him a much better better sort of place to work from. Right. And, it's, yeah. and it's right in his wheelhouse in Wisconsin, right? To, mm -hmm. Oh, you say he never finished college. And he goes, well, that's a bunch of Madison elitism. Right, absolutely. Right. A bunch of University of Wisconsin socialists. Right. Hey, look, as a, as a born and bred Madison elitist, I feel like that was kind of a low blow there for him. But, right. you know, I see you what You expected did. more after all this time you spent with him. Yeah, I really, I thought we had On the internet. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Both parties, especially the Republicans, they kind of brag that they were conceived of and born in a mine shaft, right, mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't that make them more kind of a traitor when they, they wind up screwing over the very people that they claim to represent? Well, but I think that in some ways that that's really the heart of, of what this really the successful candidates have had is the ability to exploit the resentment of, of working class voters, especially working class white voters, about the fact that they, you know, he, they can speak in the right language and use the right code to recognize that, you know, I understand what it's like to look at somebody and say they have more than me and I wish they didn't. Um, but he just, you know, he's a little bit more authentic because he doesn't right. come from Bush money. He doesn't right. come from Mitt Romney money. And, and that makes it just a little bit more palatable. You know, he doesn't look as uncomfortable when he's on a Harley, which, you know, right. could conceivably be somebody's only major purchase, you know, maybe right. even a boat. Right. Yeah. And, it, and there's just a certain uh, it's, it's the real problem is that white rural poverty is just made invisible in this country. So like the, the, the white poor in this country think of themselves as middle class. Right. So they'll vote to cut their own programs because right. they don't even see themselves as being on those right. programs. Right. Thank God for white privilege. Right. Yeah. But it's and not it's, it's, it, it's really not, it's, it's like white not privilege, though. It's really well, using right. whiteness against white people. No, of course. It's but my it's, conspiracy it's, theory. The, it's the racial white privilege that cloaks right it's being able to walk down the street and not get shot by a cop that yeah. then lets you feel like you're not in the same class which we don't have because we don't have class in theory right that you're not in the same class as the black people yeah it's just it's a delusion because right, i'm telling delusion. you right now i'm a black guy i would not trade I've, i i'm from the midwest i've hung out in rural areas i would not trade places with any white person living in a poor maybe you can community. organize them maybe you can become their their savior their black savior <laughs> i don't think that's forget what that, the white I don't think savior that's what they're thing. looking for <laughs> no you don't think so i was gonna say that would be a very interesting cultural exchange i know <laughs> yeah don't under he's very handsome <laughs> listeners you don't know the the face could do a lot that's the key that's like the key to bringing america together the, the black guy face. that goes out to to exactly. rural white america to organize the working I think class that guy will meredith, be shot you can immediately laugh. <laughs> meredith you don't know the rule on the show it's great people thank you oh what a beautiful sound you're better than gabe who's my in theory my sound 
my sidekick who always covers the mic very politely when he's laughing. I'm like, no, you're supposed to laugh, but that was a great laugh, and you're not even you're not even here for comedic stuff. But you've been very funny, I want to say, hey, and I'm not surprised because you're very funny in your writing too. Well, we are going to now come to the last part of our of our show, and if you feel free to stick around because you may have some very interesting questions. We are going to be speaking to Fernando Sosa, a Mexican-born artist who lives in Florida, who created the Donald Trump butt plug. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me in your show. For our listeners, can you explain in a PG way what, I mean, I guess I can explain this, right? This is a fact of life that WBI listeners need to be aware of. A butt plug is what one would call a sex toy, right? Yeah. And it's basically what it sounds like. Um, We're not endorsing them. We're not condemning them. We're just telling you that people purchase them. So... Why not make them with Donald Trump's face on them? So tell me about how this idea came to you. <laughs> I've been doing butt clubs for a while. The first one I did was uh, Putin. And the reason I did it is because uh, I wanted to ridicule Putin for his homophobic views. Right. And since then I've been doing uh, like Kim Jong-un, uh, George Bush, Marco Rubio, like almost all like, uh, uh, like homophobes and politicians right. Right. and dictators. Now, you are yourself from Mexico? Yeah, I was born in Mexico. I, I, I came here when I was 11 years old. And how did you feel when you heard what Donald Trump said? When Donald Trump said that whole Mexican thing, uh, I was really enraged. And I'm like, well, I guess uh, what a better way to insult him back and to uh, make a, a Donald Trump butt plug. To be fair to Donald Trump, he does think that there's some good Mexicans out there. He assumes. I guess he hasn't met any, but he assumes they must exist. But the 200 mm, so. million yeah. people living yeah. there. The funny thing is that he only said, like, oh, they're a good thing as an afterthought. Like, you know, just uh, right. like a two-second soundbite. Oh, and there's some good people. Right. And what what has the response been like? Have you been selling these butt plugs? Uh, yeah, I made them last week, and uh, they didn't really sell too much. Um, it's a hard market. The butt plug market is kind of saturated. Yeah, Meredith, you, to, you like, can laugh. Sorry. You I have can't to endorse do that kind okay, of Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Fernando, we cut you off. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Like, it's like uh, for every like thousand people that click, maybe one person buys it. Right. Uh, so it's a hard market, but uh, yeah, like, it, uh, is. It, it went viral like on, on Monday night. <laughs> And then uh, at 4 o'clock in the morning, and then uh, it's starting to sell. And then I woke up in the morning, there's like, I think, 30 or 40 sales. By the time uh, the day was over, it was like up to 60. Today, it was another 60. Uh, I haven't checked in like, the last couple of hours. Okay. Well, so are you going to be able to make selling. enough? Are you going to run out? Well, the beautiful thing is that with 3D printing, you don't have to have an oh, inventory. Right. Uh, so 3D printing to, uh, is so cool. Them. Yeah, you don't have to have an inventory. You have to uh, pay money ahead. Uh, so pretty much uh, they're made to order. So if somebody orders oh, 100 tonight, uh, then uh, to, uh, tomorrow 100 go on the printer. And then uh, then uh, 100, uh, they get delivered in about two weeks. If nobody buys one, then I don't lose any money. Right. Oh, great. I, I'd like to buy one. Uh, I'm going to be doing my nightclub act at the Trump Taj Mahal in Atlantic City. Perfect. And if I could end with your... Uh, with your product. Plug, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, if I could plug your you. product to finish my act, I would be really <laughs> Finish your act. That's what we're calling it these days, all right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and where where can people find your work? Your uh, there can be, the film was, it can be found on uh, politicalsculpture.com. Are you afraid, though, that you're perpetuating the stereotype of the political protest butt plug creating Mexican? <laughs> you may I, want I think to think that through, right? People already have that prejudice. College-educated uh, guy that has his own business. 
and, ruining America. <laughs> exactly, right, with his industriousness. He did say that. He said, they come here, they go to college, <laughs> then, they, then they make the butt plugs. Then, exactly. He did, he, yeah. That's what they do. So predictable. I'm the greatest job creator in the history of God. Well, I'm rich. I'm rich. All right. I'm rich. Look, I don't. I don't need lobbyists. All right. I'm rich. I, I can't hate Chinese. How can I hate them? I sold them an apartment building the other day. Yeah. Um, well. All of them. Fernando, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we will link to you on the Katie Helper Show Tumblr, and keep up the good work. Keep keep plugging away at that. Plugging away at it. And, um, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the Katie Helper Show. Thank you, Ali Garib, Justin Williams, Meredith Clark. Next week, join us. We are going to have State Senator Gustavo Rivera and an interview with Johan Hari, the author of Chasing the Scream, who will be talking about the first and last days of the drug war. And we'll have some other surprises for you. And thank you, Reggie Johnson and Gabe. We dedicate this episode to you. Viva Mexico. Viva Mexico. Tune in next week at 6 p.m. Thank you so much. Don't tell me what.